It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Chisholm Holland of 1077 The Franchise to talk all things Oklahoma City Thunder, including wrapping up the 2021-22 season and previewing the 2022 NBA offseason, including the NBA draft. So let's get into the show. Let's go. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles, me member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. You can email the show, Pod. follow the show on Twitter, Pod on Twitter as well. And on today's show, we have Chisholm Holland, host on 107.7 The Franchise with Ryan Chapman. Uh, Chisholm, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. Little did I know I was hopping on a show with so much production value. Jumping the gun, man. Oh, you're good. You're good. So Chisholm, it's been it's been a wild season so far. You got to cover it over at 1077 the franchise. And so what's that been like for you? Uh having to having to cover the Thunder, the Sooners, and just everything else that happens in the sports world while trying to stay centric with the NBA team and also just everything else. Yeah, like uh, you know. Coming into this, I assume a lot of people follow sports, obviously, and have one sport. Maybe they follow more than the other and follow the whole bunch. But growing up, for me, the NBA was always like what my family was centered around. We're big Chicago Bulls fans growing up uh, from my grandpa being from Chicago. And so, like, it's always been easy for me to follow the Thunder. The OU stuff is something I've had to kind of learn over time. But this this conversation is kind of what I grew up around with the dinner table about. Who are they going to take in the draft? Or I can't believe that GM just signed that guy. Or what the heck are we doing with this max contract for Bitten Gordon? Like that, Those are the things that me and my dad used to get mad about. So I'm glad to be here. How about your Bulls this season? Led by, of course, OKC Blue legend Alex Caruso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they. I mean, Caruso's been a blast, man. Lonzo Ball injury killed them. Uh, you know, frankly, I thought they were going to be middle of the road. They're a little bit better than that. I'll just chalk it up as a win. I'll take it. It's a good, it's a good stepping stone season, and of course now we have the Spurs tampering with uh, Levine and everything. But hopefully nothing, nothing bad happens there. But uh, this Thunder season, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. This, yeah. this Thunder season uh, was a little rough down the stretch to watch. If we're yeah. completely honest, I mean <laughs> they were bringing in players who uh, were not of snuff, so to say, with the rest of the NBA. But uh, what was kind of your biggest? your biggest moment of the season that you learned the most, you know, if you had to just say your biggest takeaway from the season was what for the thunder? Uh, it's okay, So I won't be able to nail the dates exactly, but there was a stretch somewhere in the back third of the season that Trey man had like 10 games where, you know, he just looked like he could really score. And Trey coming out of the draft was a guy who I liked. Frankly, I, I never would have dreamt the thunder would take a swing on him. Cause he just doesn't fit a lot of what their, their culture over the years kind of told us. Right. He's not overly athletic. Um, he's he's not going to blow you away at the combine. 
Um, he's a skilled player who really, really struggles on defense. And frankly, at Florida, his, his effort waxed and waned. And like all of that is just like red flag after red flag that we just would cross off for Sam Presti. But he can really shoot. He's an incredibly skilled player. And something that I think we saw this year is his passing is, is something that was just utterly utilized at Florida because there was not, not anybody on that team that he could really help facilitate to. So Trey was a guy who early in the season played behind Ty Jerome, uh, kind of had to overtake t- uh, Teo Maldon as well. And then once he got the role uh, and got the opportunity in the minutes, all the things that he was really good at in Florida, he was really good at in the NBA. Now, he still needs to fix all of those other things, but like a guy hitting a step-back three on a 5'10 point guard from Vanderbilt is one thing. A guy hitting a step-back three on the Utah Jazz is a completely different. And so that translation was a complete wild card because uh, you just didn't know if it was going to happen. And in year one, it looks like, if all else fails, he can come off the bench and he could, you know, get some shots up. And like outside of that, I don't know really what you could take away, right? Like Shea is Shea. Uh, Josh Giddy looked as good as I anticipated, uh, you know, going through the draft process last year or someone who I liked. Um, and everything else is just kind of wash. It, it's hard to tell what is real minutes and what's fake minutes. And, you know, so that was just the one thing because of Trey's size. I was a little concerned that that game that he used at Florida wasn't going to translate. And, you know, it looked like it did. So speaking on Josh Giddy, I mean, they made the pick at six and, uh, you know, it was a very interesting decision. And then we saw Josh Giddy run with that, you know, this whole season winning rookie of the month every year that you know, every month he was eligible for it. Sure. Uh, obviously got no rookie of the year votes in this year's cycle. And we'll see how he finishes on the all rookie teams, you know, first or second team. Uh, but what is his kind of ceiling in your eyes? What What is he to you in terms of? you're putting this team together and you're trying to make this team get back to the playoffs and back to a uh, championship caliber. Is he, is it him and Shay one and two, or is he a three? Is he a four kind of, what is he in terms of the fun, fundamental pieces for this franchise? Yeah. So first off, uh, just to toot my own horn, if I may, because I had the tape for it. This is not me just saying, Oh, I was at a bar on a Friday night. And let me tell you, I was all over this. this I was on the radio the day of the draft and Josh Giddy was my prediction for their pick at six. Uh, and then the next day I came on the air when everybody was hooping, hollering about this kid they never heard of. I was on the air saying, no, 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 this kid can play. Like this kid is really, really good. And I see people all the time say, oh, no one's giving him any credit here locally. And everyone was mad. No, Chisholm Holland was all on board the Josh Giddy train. And here's why. I think it is abundantly clear that he has something that you just can't teach people, uh, which is able to see angles, uh, able to create passing angles and find guys open uh, in different ways than really, frankly, maybe five or six guys in the NBA. He's not super athletic. Didn't matter. He's oversized, which is a giant advantage for him when he's trying to pass over the top. And so like, what is his ceiling for this team? A conversation, you know, that I've had a bunch on the air is forever uh, in the past 15 years, the NBA has all been about, do you have two stars or three stars? Do you have a super team and then a bunch of guys that nobody knows? Cause that's how you win basketball games nowadays. Frankly, I think the Miami Heat are telling us that's not the case. I think the Phoenix Suns are telling us that's not the case going forward. Hell, the Golden State Warriors look look right now at their roster. There's seven, eight guys deep that, I mean, you could really, really like. So I think there's a little bit of an obsession right now about, like, do you have your LeBron James and the Thunder need that guy? But after that, it's just about having incredible players. And I think Josh Giddy is an incredible player. And so he's somewhere between, like, the two, you know, the second and fifth best player on a, a really, really good team for me. And I, the 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 margin between those for me now is so small that frankly I just don't think it matters. What I think matters is that if I was predicting where he's going to end up in his career, 
he's a guy who can be on a floor in a game seven, a playoff game with five minutes left. And that's all that matters. Right. He's, but I don't think he's, you know, um, the LeBron James of this team. I don't think he's the Kevin Durant of this team. I, I don't think he's that guy, but he's one of the other four. And those guys are also hard to find. And so I think it's a home run pick. I think it's, it's an absolute steal. His wild card, like his flip skill, got to be the shooting. Um, I think the defense thing might be a little overrated because I think he can kind of play and hide himself on some power forwards here and there and stuff and won't be as big as a deal. I th- it's If he can hit a jump shot with any consistency, I don't even know if it needs to be a three. If he can just hit a jump shot with any consistency, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's nails, man. I think it's a great pick. Yeah, I think that Josh Giddy is a uh, fantastic player this year, and, and I think that you know, his ceiling can be a Jason Kidd type, and it's hard to hit your ceiling. It's hard to be kind of your one-of-one ceiling, but I really think that he can uh, he can hit it if he can get that jump shot working for himself yeah. and if he can continue to grow within this offense. But uh, for me, I think – I'm a little worried. In the post-game press conferences, I, I'm sure you were there. They were talk- he was talking about changing his shot form. Oh, dude, that stuff freaks me out. I hate it when players tell me they're going to change their shot for them. Like, no, 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 just keep shooting it the same way. Just shoot it better. You know what I mean? Like, just get more shots up. Don't change the way you shoot it. I'm always a little yeah. skeptical when people say that. Yeah, he's he's been saying that since the middle of the season. And after yeah. the year was over, he talked about how it was going to be like minor tweaks with Mike Wilkes this summer and his trainer. And so we'll see what those minor tweaks are. And, and it could just be, you know, something that's kind of non-noticeable to the eye, just kind of a mental thing for him. Like, yeah. It's just something different, not necessarily an entirely new jump shot. So we'll see how that fares. I think that from, for a guy who comes from a background of his where, you know, both your parents are professional athletes, you know, you know, and, and basketball coaches, and, you know, you have a good head on your shoulders. And it, it sounds corny, but it truly feels like the only thing that matters to him is playing basketball and then TikTok and, and cars and everything else is kind of like secondary. But, like, his main focus is playing basketball. So I do have confident, confidence that he can – uh, work hard if to get that ceiling. I think that Trey Mann is another uh, really, really big swing player for me. I think that he can be a sixth man for sure on a team that can win a championship because he's somebody that can enter a game and you not lose anything really or, or, or hardly lose anything. How many times during the previous Thunder era were you taking off Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and your bench was a minus 20 and, and you, yeah. you just kind of ruined everything that you had built. I think Trey Mann can at least be a guy that steadies the ship whenever you need Shea and whoever else is on that team to come out and get a, get a breath in the, in the playoffs. And I think that Trey Mann can play in the playoffs and maybe even, you know, depending on who you draft, have some sort of weird closing lineup where he's in the lineup with Shea and Giddy and Jabari Smith or whoever you draft. Kind of like you saw with the, with the three guard lineup of Billy Donovan um, during the bubble season. So it's a very interesting team, and, and how they move on from here uh, will be of great consequence, obviously. So coming up, let's talk about the offseason and how uh, the Thunder can contort this team this offseason and, and, and figure out how to get back to the playoffs in the distant future or in the near future. But first, let's talk about our good friends over at Bet Online, folks. Bet Online is your number one source for all sports betting stats and info. For finally, the Sports Development League news and – basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and Kentucky Derby this weekend, all at Bet Online. It's a continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Go to the website today or even use your mobile device. Bet Online is where the game starts, and it's so easy. You can just type in Bet Online, and then you can see their sports book pop up, and you can bet on sports in a matter of minutes. And the time it takes this commercial to run, you can bet on sports. So go down to basketball. Let's see, the NBA playoffs. 
got Maverick Suns, Maverick six-point underdogs. Chisholm, what's your call there? Uh, Luca obviously played really well in game one, and I think that's probably about the apex you could expect out of them. I, I man, the Suns just look like they're going to run away with that as long as they're healthy. So I'll go Suns minus six. Check out Bet Online where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Locked On Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. Talking Thunder basketball for your next listen. Go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board Show, hosted by Raphael Barlow of NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter, as well as Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and many more. Joining an in-depth look on the NBA Draft, mock drafts, power rankings, and of course, big boards, free and available wherever your podcast from. So Chisholm, we're back now, and this offseason will be one that is very interesting for the Thunder. And you were there for Sam Presti's uh, press conference and listened to it. Uh, for his two-hour-long monologue and, and and taking every question. But they seem very comfortable taking all four of these picks in the top 35. Uh, that would mean that you have to create four roster spots. And you look yeah. up and down this roster, and the team is flexible enough to do that. I mean, I think that you can have, of course, SGA as a lock, duh. You have him, Giddy, Baisley's, uh, you know, club exercised team option of $4.2 million is there. But past that, you know, of course, we believe that Derek Favors, from his own mouth, will pick up a $10.1 million player option. Uh, so how do you get there to create those four spots? Let's just say it's the number is four. I think that Tail Maldon's a very likely option, as his $1.9 million contract is only partially guaranteed. Another one is Vit Critchie, but I think that the Thunder really like Vit Critchie, so I, I would I would be a little stunned to see him wave, not like, not like a 10 out of 10, but it'd be like kind of like a – a nice seven or six out of 10 to see him wave. Cause I think the Thunder really like him, but kind of what, what would be your four on the chopping block? Oh, uh, I mean, I think it's, who they draft matters the most, right? Because like uh, a guy like Isaiah Roby is someone I would just immediately say is probably gone unless they don't draft a big and then he's back. Right. So like, who do they take with those four picks? I also wouldn't you know rule out the possibility of them taking uh, two of those picks and trying to move up. Uh, so now it goes from four to three or, you know, movement around in that way. All that stuff totally makes it. Or the you know the the Sam Presti special we saw last year, right? Trade a number twelve overall this season for two future firsts next year, or whatever. All that's on the table. I, I know that he said that his expectation is that those picks are probably going to be used in some, and they're not worried about competition, or they're not really concerned about roster spots. They're going to let those guys fight it out, which I find really interesting. I don't know if I'm super committed to that idea. Uh, I think that you know they're they're probably pretty open to a lot of different things, but guys who I think are you know. Derek Favors getting bought out makes sense, right? And just, okay, we're going to pay him the $10 million, but we're just going to create that roster spot so we can keep a guy you like. The Vic Critchie thing, man. I, You say that. I've heard a lot of people say that. He was fine this year. I wasn't blown away by any stretch. So, I, I don't know. I Out of Sam Presti's mouth, right, is what he said is, we're going to bring these guys in. We're going to have too many players and not enough spots, and they're going to have to figure it out. That's really interesting. You don't see guys or you don't see teams bring in first round picks 
and say, hey, if you don't make the team, you don't make the team. This is like high school basketball tryouts all of a sudden here in Oklahoma City. If that's the direction they go, I'm all in on it. I don't know if it'll work. It seems bizarre. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that seems to be the path going forward. So then you're really just betting on who do you think are the better players and who who makes the most improvements over, seat, over the offseason. So then that's where you get into like, I think Teo Maladon is an obvious one that I would say is probably gone. I think a guy like Ty Jerome, like what more can Ty Jerome do, right? He's a average defender on the other end. He's undersized, shoots really well from the outside, but what else is he going to add? Is he going to add anything else to his game? Because I don't know what it would be. And so now he's looking like a guy who possibly could be gone. I think it's it's just going to be so dependent on, on who they use, especially that top six pick on uh, and who they use that number 12 pick on. Because if it's two bigs, you know, Roby's gone, Derek Favors is gone, you know, and Mike Muscala is the third big kind of sitting on the bench. If it's two wings, I mean, now, I mean, who knows? Maybe Aaron Wiggins is the guy out the door, even though everybody seemed to like him a lot this season. I, It's tough to know. All these guys feel so similar to me as far as like long-term projection. It's it's all just hope uh, and trying to figure out exactly what you think this guy's going to be, but no one's for sure. So positional, positional numbers is going to be the bigger factor for me than maybe overall evaluation. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they how they comb between these players. I think that you know Ty Drum's a great candidate. Uh, I, I would be stunned if Tam Aldon is still uh, on this roster whenever the season starts. But uh, right now, without knowing who they drafted, without knowing how the offseason unfolds, you have to put it at fifty fifty, uh, which is still not great news for Tam Aldon, I don't believe. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see where he's at at that time. But the lottery in two weeks is going to be very important for the future of this franchise and. And let's just say that the Thunder get their dream scenario or at least get the first overall pick. Because the dream scenario would be that the Clippers pick leaps up and your pick stays up and all of a sudden you're, you're having your cake and eating it too. But let's just say you get one in 12 to keep things simple. Mm-hmm. Who, is that, who is that best prospect to comb through in a draft that you can have many different ways of shaping your big board where it's not that clear cut number one of Cade Cunningham last year where you can go and ask anybody and have Chet, Paolo, Jabari, one, two, or three in some – some have even had Chet fall out of the top three, which I find very interesting. But like, who is who would be your number one that you'd bet on for this Thunder team? Oh, who I think the Thunder would take? No, no. If you're if if Sam Presti was well, fired, my evaluation. With you, okay. yeah, we we fired Sam Presti for some reason, and we've hired a radio host, Chisholm Holland. What, yeah. what are you going to pick for the Thunder? Pick one that happened before, uh, so maybe it'll happen again. Uh, I um, uh, I've wrestled with this so much. I uh. If it is, so depending on what if I'm the Thunder, I think I'm probably taking uh Paulo. I'm really skeptical, man. I like I have so many reservations about Paulo Montreal, but I don't think Shea's the guy. Um, and I know that's gonna you know that's ruffling that's ruffle feathers every time I say it, but I just don't think Shea's the guy. I think he's an incredible player. I think he's a top 30 player in the NBA. Uh, I don't think he's the guy. Paulo could be. Uh, and if you made me guess of who is the most likely to become a top 10 player by the end of it, I think it's Paulo. I think he's also got a lot of things going in the wrong direction. There's a lot of case studies about players in his, you know, his shape, form, or fashion that have not worked out for a multitude of reasons. But I think I would take Paulo if I had the first overall pick. If I uh, if I thought Shea was a 1A player, a guy who could carry a championship team and an offense who could be sitting around, I think Jabari Smith makes a ton of sense. Like, if you're just saying who, what player adds the most wins to next season's team, I think it's Jabari Smith by a mile. Uh, because that guy's going to come in. He's going to shoot 40% from the three-point line. He's going to be able to add a little bit of a post-up game, right? He's a bigger body who they just frankly don't have out on the wing. Uh, like an oversized forward. They have a lot of oversized guards, but they don't have an oversized forward. Uh, they throw him out there, and 
he fills an immediate giant gaping obvious hole of someone who could just consistently hit jump shots. Um, I think that that raises their ceiling immediately. I love Jabari Smith. I really, really do. But I don't think he's ever a a focal point of an offense. I, he strikes me as a little bit more of like, you got to use him like the Magic used to use uh, Richard Lewis or something like that, which is a great player, a player who made all-star teams. Uh, but nobody was winning an NBA championship with Richard Lewis as their best player. So um, my favorite player of the draft is Jabari Smith. He's my favorite player to watch. But if I was Thunder with number one, I, I think I'd have to go Paulo. Yeah, I, I've got Jabari Smith as my one one in this draft, and I'm not really sure how that changes. I think that I think that you can waffle between Paulo and Chet, but for me, Paulo's number two, and then Chet number three, and then I, I go for the upside swing with Shaden Sharp at four uh, personally. But that's kind of my top four in this draft, and I don't really think anything that leaks out or comes out from talking with agents or scouts or anybody this this cycle that can change Jabari Smith being my one one, and that and that really for Jabari Smith goes for all teams because I, I think that Jabari Smith is going to be the most safe while also having still uh, some upside there too. I mean, Richard Stamen joins the show every week and uh, the draft expert with uh, NBA draft big board and everything. And, and he mentions that, you know, he can be a clay Thompson type. And I did my draft profile and projection on all three of these players already. So you can go back and listen to those. But I think that Jabari Smith's fit with this thunder team is seamless because he's not a guy that demands the ball in his hands uh, and can allow Josh G to set him up, can allow SGA to isolate uh, and kind of be ball dominant while also still making a huge impact on both ends of the floor, especially defensively. I think you put him in an NBA environment with an NBA team defense and uh, kind of just that that natural juice you get from playing in NBA games versus playing Vanderbilt, and you see his defense take another step uh, and at least be more consistent in terms of his locked-in-ness on that defensive end of the floor. So I really think that Jabari Smith is one of the best players uh, in this draft, and I think he's the very best player in this draft uh, without question. I can still see myself flipping Chet and, ba- and Paolo as we go along, but I think that that's pretty well set too. Uh, but I, I think that there's nothing that can come out about Jabari Smith to take him out of my number one spot, barring something just out of a movie, just craziness happening uh, for, for him. But you know, where do you have Chet Holmgren? Because I think that that's another mystery player that, you know, mystery in the sense of he's awkward on the floor a little bit that Sam Presti would, would kind of jump at. So where do you have Chet Holmgren in this draft? I think Chet is one of those guys who is being misevaluated because he looks like a bunch of players we're familiar with, right? He's seven feet tall. He looks like he weighs about 85 pounds and he's Caucasian. I call it Oku PTSD. Yeah. It's, I mean, like everybody's just assuming that's, uh, I mean, I don't know if Chet's going to work out, but I can tell you this, man. I watched a lot of Gonzaga this year. That guy's going to start a fist fight in the NBA. He is. He's not Poku. Poku gets shoved around, right? And he struggles with aggressiveness sometimes and being bought it. Chet's trying to start a fist fight sometimes. And, he gets pushed to the floor a lot. He got pushed to the floor a lot in a tournament, and he's still protecting the rim. He's still coming up with steals. He's still trying to play physical. He, his body just doesn't allow him to sometimes. That kid upstairs is really, really interesting because uh, I think he, as far as like a mentality standpoint, as far as like the, no, 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 I'm going to show you I'm the best player out here right now. I think he does that more than Paulo does, right? I think I think he has the want to take over a game in little moments. Now, again, he's playing a role with Gonzaga, and so... That wasn't always his exactly his spot with Timmy there, Drew Timmy. Uh, but I thought he wanted he has that kind of that that mindset. I'm scared of that body, right? And the fact that he's seven feet tall, he's been in the college program for an entire year, Gonzaga, one of the best college programs in the country, and he's still struggling, right, to put on weight. He's gonna put on some. Like he he's 19 years old. Obviously, when he turns 25, like you know, 25 like I was at one point in time, all those pizzas are gonna catch up to him. The belly's gonna come in. But is he ever going to, like, the transformation Giannis made is not the standard, 
That's not that's not how this normally works. That that is a one in a billion shot. Giannis is just the guy who did it. Um, I'm not positive that Paulo or sorry that uh, Chet is going to be able to do the same thing. I, I'm just I'm skeptical, frankly. Uh, now I'll be right back. I got to grab my kid. I'll see you in a second. That's a perfect time to talk about our good friends over at RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago. You could have been going to RockAuto.com and finding all the parts that your car would ever need. RockAuto.com is an amazing selection of everything you can ever have at your disposal with cars. And folks, my favorite part about RockAuto.com is that I know nothing about cars. Absolutely nothing. And you might think that that's crazy. Why on earth are you excited about a car auto part website when you know nothing about cars? It's because at RockAuto.com, I don't have to know anything about cars. All I got to know is my make, my model, my year, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. So go check them out today. That way they give you the same reliable prices they give a do-it-yourselfer as they do a mechanic or a, a person that buys in bulk of these auto parts. So go check them out today. RockAuto.com. Tell them Lockdown sent you in the how did you hear about this box and know what to do from there. RockAuto.com. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices with the parts you currently need. RockAuto.com. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Every day, Go check out the Lockdown NBA Podcast for everything you need on the national side of things. We're back with Chisholm Holland and Company. Chisholm, uh, I'll, <laughs> let you, I'll let you go here as you got no, turned no, no, into a daddy duty. But uh, no, how good. are you guys doing now? <laughs> oh, dude, we're making it, dude. We're six weeks in. Obviously, he came six weeks early, so that throws a little monkey wrench into things. But no, it's all square. He was totally asleep. He's one of those, you know. He's a baby, so he's totally asleep. He wakes up. He's like, you know what? I don't want to be asleep anymore. And then you pick him up, and he goes right back to sleep. So, you know, is what, what it is. a life. One that we yeah. wish that we were all still living, huh? But uh, yeah. let's uh, uh, let's let's continue talking. I mentioned that I called Chet Poku PTSD. Speaking of Poku, the international man of mystery. Where where are you at on Alistair Pokushevsky? Where, where are you at in terms of how much leash do you continue to give him? How much <laughs> how many minutes do you continue to give him? Like, what what is your evaluation of of, of Poku. Uh, well, he, so here's my big takeaway. I'm sick of people asking me about him as far as listeners. Because you want to talk about a hot-button issue, bro? I mean, people are all over the place on Alexa Bukashevsky. I've talked to him a handful of times. Uh, I've met him in person, you know, a bunch. Incredible kid. He, he is so nice and so kind. So I, I, I hope he works out. I think there's so many red flags about this kid. And, and I... I if I if the Thunder had two players at his position, right, small forward, power forward, who are uh, draft prospects who they're trying to develop, I think those kids should play every minute over him. Frankly, now if the Thunder come out of this thing with Chet and Chet's playing center, right, and they don't really have a power forward to throw over there outside of Darius Baisley, and he's okay, whatever. But if they get Parker or Paulo, I think they need a Barry Poku. Uh, the fact that he's had to go to the G League two years in a row to kind of get his motor started, and when he got to the G League, didn't play well, right, like. It's not like he went down there and immediately started averaging 30 points a game and 10 rebounds. Like it took him some time to get his feet underneath him in the G League. And then once he figured it out, yeah, he he finished the season strong. That's kind of the concern coming out of him at the draft, right? So like when I get worried about guys is when we go into the draft process, we all have our evaluations of what this is what this guy does well. This is what this guy doesn't do well. But here are the red flags. Here's where some hiccups could come in. Effort was one of the hiccups for Poku. Right. And buy-in was one of the effort the 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 red flags for Poku. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the kid's awesome. I hope he figures it out. It's two seasons in a row that he's come out of the gates really, really slow. And I uh 
that's my biggest concern. Not the size, not the skill set, not the talent. Because I think all that's shown itself in moments. I think it's the, hey, bro, this is an 82-game season, and we're hoping to rack up, you know, what is it, 20 wins in the postseason? We, we need to find a way to get there. Can we count on you to be along for that ride the entire time? I think so far, I, I haven't seen quite the answers I need to. So if they draft anyone in his position, I, I think they should maybe, you know, move on or just kind of put him on the bench for for emergencies. If they don't, and they just, you know, at that point, I think you should give him every minute you can and just say, this is your last swing. Uh, but I'm pretty down uh, and out on, on the Poku experience so far. And it's not a talent thing. It's not the goofy passes, right, or the, the crazy behind-the-back stuff he does every so often. It's none of that. It, it's it's the two straight seasons of really slow starts, going to the G League and struggling, and then, like, the last 20 games, like, turning it on. Well, bro, man, season's a lot more than just the last 20 games. Yeah, that, that, that's correct. And I think that fans kind of should put in this perspective that, you know, while his roster spot might not be in danger this offseason – uh, it's it's not too far behind with all the picks. Would it stun you? Stun yeah. you if they if they cut him or traded him? It, it would not. It would not surprise me because because I I was getting to the point of I think that Sam Presti made that selection with the idea in mind. This guy's never going to work out, and we're just going to have to end up cutting bait with a with a quote unquote first round pick. Whenever yeah. yes, in Sam Presti's ideal world, this guy's going to be a Christoph Porzingis unicorn that just has everything on the floor and is is going to be awesome. In reality, you take that pick with the understand you understanding that whenever all these picks cash in from the Clippers and Rockets and all these the structure draft picks, he's going to be the first one at the door if he's not panning out. So I think yeah. that you should not be shocked if he's out of the NBA or out of the Thunder system uh, in this year, this offseason, next offseason, or in the near future. Now I don't think it'll be this offseason, but I could totally see it next offseason, and, and that might shock people because they think that you know he's going to be a project forever and that then that the Thunder will try to nurture him forever, but. I think that it's going to get to a point pretty quickly where it's up to him. And it's like you're saying, it's, it's not necessarily even on the court. You can deal with the on the court stuff because he was supposed to be four years away from being four years away. It's just the, it's just the marathon that Mark always talks about is it's not being ran very well right now by Bogachevsky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and we mentioned it earlier that the, the, the number one quote was the Sam Presti. We're going to bring all these guys in and we're going to have a competition. And if we have 22 guys for 16 spots, so be it. I mean, that is so out of the realm of normality. If, if that's what Sam Presti says it actually means, Poku is the perfect test case. You're, I mean, you're telling me Kenrich Williams is going to earn a roster spot over him? Of course he is, right? Jabari Smith, obviously. Like, you know, there, there's... I think that would be the number one, like... Is Sam Presti actually putting his, his money where his mouth is as far as, like, a guy's got to go out and earn it? Because I think it's a, there's a very realistic case you can make that there's five or six guys in this team who could earn a spot over Pokashevsky with the way he started seasons. And so... I wouldn't be stunned if this is like they go through the entire summer, right? All the training camps. He's one of the last cuts, but if he is one of the last cuts, I wouldn't be totally shocked. Um, but I agree with you, man. I, I think, I think this four-year contract has some time on it and we'll see the development stuff is uh, a big focal point of the thunder. I just frankly haven't seen a lot of it so far. And I'm again, I'm talking mostly upstairs. Yeah. This has been a great baseline podcast as Mark. I, mean, I always like to say, Mark Hawkins, let's say we get a baseline this player, a baseline that. It's been a great baseline podcast talking all about just the Thunder in general. We'll have to do this again, talking more nitty-gritty stuff and subjects that pop up around the time. But let's get out of here with the last baseline question. Okay. Chisholm, I need you to use your crystal ball here. Okay. When are the Thunder back in the playoffs? Oh, uh, first off, uh, are you with me that the play-in tournament does not count? Like if they're the nine seed and they get eliminated, that's not the playoffs. That's the play-in tournament. 
Yeah, I, I don't count that as okay. a playoffs. I, I, it's, it's really so stupid. They got to play a seven-game series. Yeah. yeah, it's really stupid. But in my mind, I said it's the postseason, and then you get to the playoffs, and that's sure. the playoffs. It's really stupid, but I just cannot get myself to go playoffs on play. And that's why it no, doesn't no, no. count as playoff stats. No, no, no. No, no, no. They don't. No. So no, I agree with you. The play-in tournament's not the playoffs. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Two years, not next season, but the season after. That, feel, that feels right to me because you're also kind of timing it with the teams. Like, you know, Presley talked about it, man. The the NBA notoriously pulls teams to the middle. Like, you can only be bad for so long unless you're the Orlando Magic. Like, you, you I mean, Cleveland, right? Like, Cleveland, a, a team that we've made fun of for years uh, without LeBron James being awful, playoffs, right? Like, like it just, it happens to everybody. Uh, so, the Thunder are going to get pulled to the middle at some point. Um, I, I think this upcoming season might be a little tough because if they don't get Paulo, uh, maybe they get Jabari Smith. Maybe they win 35 games, maybe, right? Like, how do they get to the 45 win mark, 46 win mark? I think it's going to take a couple more players and a couple more years of Shea kind of finding his own too. So I would say two years from now would be my guess. Yeah, I think if you get good enough dra- draft lottery luck this cycle here in a couple of weeks, if you get good enough draft lottery luck in 14 days, I think that this year is another year where you're growing and you're meshing these young players together. Because look, we still need to see Josh Giddy and SGA get on the same page. They had their best ever game you know, on that in that Suns contest, and then they were played again together because of the hip injury with Josh Giddy. So we still need to see them work things out. That's not kind of a, a done deal yet. So I think that this year is all about finding lineups, finding you know rhythm with each other. And then next year in the 2023 offseason, you get the new CBA, you get your, your salary cap resets. Yeah, we got to figure out how the Thunder are getting screwed by that, by the way. We got to right. figure out what that is. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to go against them. Three straight cycles, but you're not paying Derek Favors anymore. You're not paying yeah. Kemba Walker anymore. You're not or Kyle Singler. Kyler. Yeah, you're not playing Kyle Slingler anymore. You, you you are clear out of the uh, woods here on your salary sheet. You're only really playing uh, SG on that max contract, and the rest of them are on rookie deals or close to it. And, and so I think that 2023 is a year where you start to consolidate draft picks for proven NBA talent and then also open the draft if you need to as well. So I think 2023, you start to take that step because obviously as of right now, the Thunder are operating as if SGA is the guy or the guy number two. And you've got a five-year window here with SGA. So you're going to burn this year with another developmental year. Then you got four years left. And then your first year in the playoffs, barring something crazy, you're not going to just hit the ground running. You need another year of growth for these young players like Josh Giddy, how to learning how to play playoff basketball and a coach learning how to coach playoff basketball. So that first playoff year, you're still going to not count on it to be anything special. So then you're down to like three years with SGA. Uh, th- right. That's guaranteed. Now, uh, we all hope that SGA stays here forever, but that's just not the way the NBA works in the sense of you cannot game plan your team around that. Uh, but we all hope it is going to be true. But, you know, I think that that's kind of where I get the 2023 notion as well as just kind of the little hints Sam Presti left in that two hour long uh, press conference about the CBA and things like that. So yeah. Bism, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you for joining us. Where can they find you? Where can they find all the stuff that you do around the thunder and also just around Oklahoma sports in general? Yeah, uh, so I'm on every day, uh, 3 to 6 p.m. on 107.7 The Franchise, trying to make it work. I'm not saying the show's good, but it doesn't stink. I think we're somewhere in the middle. I call us mediocre. I think that's more than fair. So uh, enjoy me there. Ryan Chapman does a great job, obviously. He carries most of the weight on that show. So uh, so you can listen to me on Chisholm and Chapman on The Franchise. 
Uh, and that's, I mean, on Twitter, at Chisholm Holland, man. Try to make it easy on you. I appreciate you having me on, oh, too, bro. Right no problem. Go follow Chisholm. Go follow 1077 The Franchise. And until tomorrow, and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 